Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus, and thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. My guest today to talk about Trump's strange psychology is Dan P. Adams. He's a psychologist who for decades has studied the psychology of American presidents. His book is called The Strange Case of Donald J. Trump, A Psychological Reckoning. Dan, welcome to Trumpcast. Thank you. So you've got this book out, The Strange Case of Donald J. Trump, a title I love because it draws on the science fiction story we all know or think we know, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You really draw in that parallel. I do indeed. In in a weird way, though, because in a sense, uh, the case of uh, Donald J. Trump is the opposite, really, of the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, In a nutshell, in the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the reader learns that uh, one person is, in fact, two things, and that uh, an individual is much more complicated and diverse and differentiated than, than we expect. But in the case of Mr. Trump, there's all this expectation out there that he's many different things, that he's complicated that there uh, is a private Trump and a public Trump and that we need to get behind the mask. But the primal fact of it is that there is one singular Trump. And this sort of, I think, freaks people out. They're not ready for that kind of primal singularity in a person's life. So uh, in Jekyll and Hyde, you have two different characters. Jekyll is the public person and Hyde is the deep beast within him, and they're within the same body. Mr. Trump, you have one primal character, and it's Mr. Hyde. Yeah, that I love when you say this. What if he's Mr. Hyde without the Jekyll, without the Dr. Jekyll? And what I remember from that book, and surprisingly, I have read it recently, is A, how good it feels to Dr. Jekyll to become Mr. Hyde, um, and B, how kind of electrifying and exciting Mr. Hyde is. He's not, he's not, um, he's, he's not repellent. He's not as though you take one look at him and he's kind of monstrous. There's something alive, like someone doing some cocaine or something. It makes them a little bit insufferable and a little bit magnetic. That's uh, correct. Uh, He's very much alive. Now in Dr. Jekyll's mind or view. Uh, He's a bit repellent. But in general, yeah, Hyde has power. He has uh, life force. He's a very strong character, but he's driven basically by the deepest and darkest kinds of motives. At least that was how it was seen back when this story was written. Yeah, sort of an id or something. Uh, But what what I liked is that you point out that this account, your account, of Trump not being divided or lacking depth psychology altogether is part of his charisma, that there's something appealing about someone who's not faking it or or who's at one with this kind of present moment. Well, it's an interesting thing. Donald Trump is always faking it, but 
That mm. is who Donald Trump is. He is an extraordinarily mm-hmm. authentic fake, which is to say that Donald Trump is always playing the role of Donald Trump. And so we expect, well, yeah, but, you know, like when he's by himself, when he's with his kids, when he's doing something else, he's he's different. I go, no, no. Donald Trump is always in role. He's always on stage because that is indeed who he is. He is the ultimate performer in that regard. And you're right about the charisma. Uh, and that goes to something else, uh, probably the central idea in the book. And, and that is that uh, in addition to there being a kind of singularity to Donald Trump, he is what I call the episodic man. And by what I mean by that is he lives like Hyde in the currently vibrant emotional moment. He doesn't live going forward very far. He doesn't live in the past. He doesn't go backwards very far. He doesn't go deep. He doesn't sort of, like most of the rest of us, have a story about his life that he's living out chapter by chapter, scene by scene. Instead, he's right there in the episode. He's right there in the moment, in the angry, combative moment, seeking to win the moment. And that presence in the moment, I think, makes him seem extraordinarily authentic to many of his supporters. To many of his detractors, it it doesn't necessarily endear him to them. But to his supporters, he that is part of where I think this thing about the authenticity uh, is, is really, really true. I mean, he's he's so authentic in that he's always playing this one role. You know, when you say he's fake and he's always fake, and that, that may suggest that He's not divided the same way Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde are, um, but that he lives in this social space or in this performance. So he doesn't he doesn't quite look in the mirror. And I know that you I want to come to an instance you you mentioned where Mark Singer asked him what he what he thinks about himself when he looks in the mirror. But let's say when he looks in the mirror, he doesn't say I'm wearing this isn't my real hair. This isn't my real complex color of my complexion. That there's another thing under this like literally under the physical facade that is, you know, the Donald Trump that is a mother's son that was born on a certain date and that, you know, was once 14 and once whatever, that, I, you know, somehow you get the feeling that he thinks that even just his pose in the world is coextensive with him. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I mean, I mean at some level, Donald Trump knows, you know, he was born of a mother and a father, and he grew up in Queens, and he went to a New York Military Academy, and he had a career in real estate and reality television. I mean, he has a sense of the sequence of his life. He's, it's, it's not like he has no understanding of that, but it's not really pressing or relevant in terms of how he goes, goes about his daily business. Most of us have one eye on the past and one eye on the future as we move through life, which is to say we live within a kind of ongoing narrative that we're creating about our life. This is basically what I study, by the way. I've devoted 30 years of my life or 25 years studying how people create stories for their life. And now today mm. in the year 2020, I have found the the exception to the rule. The the most powerful man on the planet whose psychology is indeed quite strange in that he doesn't do what the rest of us do for the most part, and that is to create what we call in psychology a narrative identity or a story in his mind about how he came to be who he is and where his life is going. He has very little by way of that. He is not retrospective 
He's not prospective. He's not introspective. He's right here now. And I think there are strengths to that kind of psychology, as bizarre as it is, because I don't see it in hardly anybody else. But there are also extraordinary limitations to that kind of uh, that kind of approach to your life as well. You know, when when I uh, we first started this show now far too long ago, um, we had discussions. You, you probably remember. I mean, out of the gate in 20, 2015, 2016, there were people saying this kind of person is, in particular, the go to diagnosis with a was a narcissist. He reminds me of my ex wife, my father, um, uh, so any other kind of brutal annoyance in my life. And we entertained just about every diagnosis of him or every psychological analysis of him on the show possible. Um, and I, at some point, sort of threw up my hands and thought, I'm not trained at all as a psychologist, but I did philosophy as an undergraduate. And in philosophy, there's the notion of the solipsist of the present moment. And he's more a troublemaker in a philosophical seminar, but he's a, a person who says, you know, as you're spending time poring over rationalist descriptions of human nature and so on that, oh, maybe we're all just brains and vats being poked by some, you know, master, uh, some master robot or God or whatever to have these fleeting sensations in the present moment and then they pass and they're irrelevant. And it's it, at the, at the seminar table, at least that's like a, such a reductive argument posed to strike that it disqualifies you from further conversation. It's just not sporting, right? And there's a little bit where, where, where I think you've found much more robust philosophical terms for what I was getting at, which is he's just not in the game of shared psychological space. That's an interesting way to put it. Yes, you're right. He's not. I mean, I've spent uh, four years studying Donald Trump. Uh, first uh, began about exactly four years ago now. And uh, I spent a lot of time trying to normalize him, try to find categories within psychology that fit. And uh, it's, it's, that's one of the, uh, that's the other reason that the book is called The Strange Case. He is way stranger than any diagnosis mm. you can put out there. And I agree, by mm. the way, with the general view in, uh, that the American Psychiatric Association takes that psychologists should not, that we are ethically uh, prohibited from diagnosing with mental illness. And so I stay away from that. I mean, I know people have said, okay, narcissistic personality disorder. They've talked about him as showing anti-social uh, anti, uh, uh, personality disorder. These are medical terms within the diagnostic and statistical manuals. They're interesting. They are useful, I guess, as categories. I don't use them, first of all, because I'm not trained to do it. Secondly, I don't think they're helpful. They don't help us understand how he came to be and who he is. So if some psychiatrist wants to say, Mr. Trump is suffering from psych some psychiatric illness, let's call it narcissistic personality disorder, I say, whatever, okay, maybe. I mean, Lincoln had chronic depression. Johnson was paranoid. I mean, this is he would not be the first president to suffer from some kind of psychiatric disorder. But in my mind, it's more or less irrelevant. It doesn't really help us understand what he's about and how he's functioning. In, my, in the book, I try to argue by contrast that it's really about this sense of self, this idea that he is the episodic man living in the moment. And I don't know many people who are highly narcissistic who have that particular feature. Yes, of course. Donald Trump is a very narcissistic person, no doubt about that. He thinks about himself all the time. He promotes his own well, his own self above and beyond maybe 
you know, arguably almost anybody else on the planet. But that's not that interesting to me. The, it's the episodic feature of his life. The fact that he is in the moment fighting to win the moment for better and for worse, that I think is the key. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.